Hey guys, it's Kayla back again with another episode for my podcast, The Pursuit of Power. Today I have on Michael Bishop of Van Dyke Mortgage. He's been in the industry for about five years now, and he is a mortgage loan originator. Michael is a USF alumni like myself. He has a bachelor's in finance with a real estate concentration. And in this interview, he gave us a look at what a mortgage originator slash mortgage officer role is like, a deeper look at the real estate side of finance, gave some great insight on how to be a successful MLO, and advice regarding mortgages and first-time home buyer information. So let's jump into this podcast. Hey everybody, it's Kayla Buck again with another video and another podcast segment with my friend Mike. Mike, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey everybody, I'm Michael Bishop. I, uh, I work with Van Dyke Mortgage. Um, I'm going to be here to answer any questions today that you guys might have about um, possibly taking a look into the MLO field um, and getting involved with mortgage lending. So how did you become interested in this career? Um, I would say it's a joint combination of a couple of different things. Um, when I had transferred out of FSU and kind of came to USF, um, I kind of switched my degree and uh, dove into finance. And one of those finance courses that I took was um, real estate financing. Now, even though it was like uh, more geared and centered towards commercial lending rather than residential lending, it was still kind of an open introduction to what that field may be like um, that in combination with you know having an aunt who at one point or another owned a, a mortgage company that had merged with a nationwide lender um, I've always been exposed to kind of mortgage lending and I I knew that was going to be a uh, a field that might be of interest to me so um, when I was when I graduated it was the first kind of open door opportunity that I took a look at and I rolled with it. Were there ever any other professions that you were interested in, either in the realm of oh, yeah. finance or, or not? Oh, yeah. So um, everybody in my family is in business in one way or another. Uh, my dad, for 30-plus years, was a business consultant for both Arthur Anderson and Deloitte. Uh, he pretty much ran the consulting practice here in Tampa. So I constantly was exposed to uh, what that area of business looked like. Um, you know, I knew some of the pros. I obviously knew some of the cons with that. Um, but it was more so when I got to college and started pursuing initially my MIS degree or ISM degree, depending on what college you go to, um, I kind of realized I really wasn't that interested in the technical side of like, you know, the programming and the that style of classes. Um, I knew I wanted to do something a little more sales oriented without that IT background. Um, so it was kind of a quick transition out of that, but that was a, uh, that was a big one for a while. For your finance degree, you did a real estate concentration, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Did they cover the whole mortgage industry? Did they talk about mortgage loan originators? Um, I would actually say that the classes were more so centered towards commercial, um, kind of with like a lot of the grad class, Ah, excuse me, the grad classes, um, there is more of a higher education push for the commercial side of lending. Um, because I would tell you that, you know, unfortunately with the residential lending field, um, you don't necessarily kind of like need a degree to 
pursue that because there's its own state licensing, there's federal licensing that needs to be done. But as far as excelling in this field, um, there's not as much of a higher education, I guess you could say, um, necessity as there would be such as commercial. So it was more so geared towards commercial, but don't get me wrong, a lot of the application for it from that end can certainly be applied to residential as well. I don't think USF even has the real estate concentration anymore. No, no, no it's a, I think they have, a, it's just now for, I believe an MBA. Um, I haven't even looked into it though further, but I believe the MBA had a, a concentration in real estate classes at that point in time, so. So you basically became aware of the MLO career from your aunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She uh, she kind of always knew at one point or another just by forcing all of the family to take different disc personality tests to find out like how geared they would be towards this field. Um, she knew pretty much right away that she wanted me to um, kind of hop on uh, that train and become an MLO. So I, I went along with it. <laughs> Do MLOs need to um, pass the NLMS in order to work in the field? Yeah, so every state is a little bit different in how that works. Um, pretty much every loan originator, regardless of what state you originate in, you have to pass the NMLS. Um, now, outside of that, there could also be state requirements for operating uh, and practicing. So Florida is obviously one of those states. Now, when you are taking your NMLS, you do have a federal portion of the test that does basically allow you the rights to operate with like within 30 other states, but you know, they're typically like smaller states, not a high saturation of, you know, of people. So like North Dakota, South Dakota, you know, things like that. But any big state, so like Texas, California, Georgia, Florida, New York, they're all gonna also have their own state specific test which sometimes has state-specific related issues that you also need to study and prepare for. For the younger people who are watching or for people mm -hmm. who don't have a bachelor's degree yet, mm -hmm. would you recommend to them to pursue a four-year degree to go to college if they think they want to pursue a career as an MLO? You know, this is, uh, it's, I guess it's going to kind of go against the grain a little bit here, but you know, I know so many people that are in this profession, and it's really more so centered around other qualities and strengths that you have as a person. Um, you, you know, I feel like I could have been just as successful in this field, you know, without my finance background to kind of pursue and excel in this. It's, you know, there's several people in the field in our company that I know that, you know, either come from mathematics, one of them's a psych major, uh, one of them was a teacher at one point in time that isn't necessarily about mastering finance to understand and encompass it as a whole. It's going to be understanding your product suite, understanding kind of some formulas and ratios from the finance era that you need to like have a good grasp on, but it's more so recognizing like your clients needs and understanding what loan programs are going to best suit them for their purchases. Mm -hmm. So I, so what I say, um, I guess to better answer the question did finance help better prepare me for this field? Yes, absolutely. Do I feel like it is an absolute requirement for people to that may be interested in this field to you know pursue that they have to get some sort of higher education with a concentration in finance or some sort of business background? Absolutely not, no. So in general, would you say uh, going to school for finance was worth it for you? 
Um, yes, absolutely. Um, I guess just based off the last, you know, 07, 09, we can quickly see how easy it is for the world to kind of turn um, from a market standpoint and just from like a economic collapse, I guess you could say that um, there's a few things that have kind of triggered in my mind. So number one, um, moving forward into the future, there's such a huge component of what the years to look like to come are going to be. Um, there's been a big, 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 big push from a lot of big businesses like you know Amazon, um, Berkshire Hathaway, where they're trying to really automate real estate. Um, they're really trying to get like an all-encompassing package built. So it is from start to finish buying a house. And, you know, we've seen the formulation of websites like Zillow and these just mega, mega online presence of different sectors in real estate that, you know, to some extent, you know, my job could be very automated in the years to come. Now, you know, at our company, we've always taught that this business is very much belly to belly and there's value in that. So I don't think there's going to be the perfect formula or solution for a few years. But to some extent, I did want to have a, a, a business and a finance background just because I knew that this opens doors for other opportunities that may come. Would you say you use anything that you learned in college now in your career? Um, I would say the biggest things that I uh, learned and use is going to be a lot of both psych and management practices from classes. So I took most of my electives in psychology um, only because I saw use in them for applications in business. Understanding people's needs, understanding um, their hesitations, getting through objections. It, business is very much emotionally related. Um, so that was actually very helpful kind of in this field. Um, the management side, though, is you are constantly interacting with several different parties on a transaction. Different people have their different roles. So pretty much every deal to some extent, you do have to be like a manager on and everyone's needs are certainly different. So uh, the management classes really helped from that perspective as well. Yeah, you definitely have to be on top of people to get <laughs> transaction to go through. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into more of the career. Um, mm -hmm. What's the difference between a mortgage loan originator, a mortgage loan officer, and a mortgage loan broker? Sure. Um, so in my opinion, um, we, we talk to, we, we speak about, um, our loan originators. So we obviously, um, use the term mortgage loan originator at our company. The first two are pretty much interchangeable mortgage loan officer, mortgage loan originator. That's basically the, uh, the same description of a person. That's just somebody that operates on the front end of the business, sets up the loans, talks to the clients, puts them into a certain product offering. And, and basically handles their pre-qualification and pre-application uh, and their pre-approval uh, from the very front end. Now, these are also the people that are going to handle and oversee the loan while the loan is in processing and underwriting and basically going through its due diligence course to get to closing. Mortgage loan broker is slightly a little bit different, and I'll still touch on um, how an MLO or mortgage loan officer or mortgage loan originator is also a broker in some instances. Um, a mortgage loan broker is somebody that connects different lenders or uh, lender partners to the client um, and basically serves as an intermediary. He may have access to a lot of different products and can figure out what the best one's going to be with the best rate and just he's, he's basically like a middleman. Okay. 
Um, the reason why I say that they can also be a mortgage loan originator. So uh, like myself, whereas we are a direct lender, meaning we operate just like any other big bank, SunTrust, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, whatever, we lend our own money, we have our own warehousing line um, that, we, that we pay from. Uh, we also have portfolio product offerings in different brokered options for programs that we cannot offer inside our company that we can still broker out um, in certain unique situations. But that's basically the main difference between the three. So do you consider your job as an MLO kind of a sales job? Yes and no. Uh, so there's different facets to the business. Um, and I think kind of going back to something that I answered earlier, you can handle this business in multiple different ways. Um, you can kind of come from the standpoint of being more geared centered towards building relationships with, with referral partners like realtors, in which case you don't actually need to pursue the sales as much as you otherwise would if you were not handling your business in this, this manner. Uh, there are several, though, loan originators that are, you know, cold calling, paying for leads, you know, just trying to like market social media, traffic social media that way to pull people in. And, you know, they're just hitting the phones all day long. You know, they're just trying to knock them in, knock them out, get them into processing. It's repetition. It's all numbers. I saw more so value in building the relationship end um, with my referral partners, with realtors, and, you know, aligning my business with their business so that it's mutually benefiting. I think that's that's the better approach because otherwise I can uh, you, you would literally be on the phone just all day long cold calling. And uh, that's that's not how I wanted to set up my business. So but it very much can be. So as a MLO, do you receive a base salary plus commission? What's the industry standard? So the industry standard for most loan originators is um, we is everything that we do pretty much operates in basis points in the market. Um, and it's going to be a certain percentage of what the loan amount is that we lend on. So I would say most loan originators get paid a fixed percentage that's obviously written into their contract off their loan amounts that they write. Um, however, in my specific situation, whereas I operate as an MLO on a larger team, you know, our financing situation as far as our salary and whatnot is set up a little different so that there's different structures involved that help stabilize the feast and famine aspect of the field. Um, so you, I would say on average, your typical salary from what the average LO is probably writing is going to range maybe between 60 and 90,000 is the industry average, I would say. It's also area dependent. It's obviously going to be performance dependent. Now, as far as like how my salary is centered and geared, um, whereas being on a team element where we're leveraging staff um, to obviously uh, bring up our loan volumes and to bring up the loan quantities that we're doing, um, I get paid a fixed salary. On top of that, I get a sales volume bonus. I also get a small percentage of a commission uh, for operating as such. And then we have team performance benefits as well. So however good the team does, everybody on the team does well. So doing it this way kind of helps maintain and level out the pay so that it's a lot more consistent than, you know, you have one great month and then you may have one slow month and then you have an okay month. Like everything's kind of constant at that point in time. But you know, a lot of people in this field, I mean, I know several people in this field making clearing half a million and up a year, 
Um, it's really going to be largely dependent on how you envision and see your business, what you can do to get creative, um, how you can fill a gap that not a lot of other people are offering, and then also taking the risks and the chances of leveraging out different roles in this business to staff, to people, um, so that that way you can stay on the front end and continue to be originating. Do the MLOs and the other people on your team receive benefits? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So um, everyone down as far as even to like our admin assistants and our transaction coordinators, people that are handling more so the back end stuff, the file organization, the file management and different aspects of that business. They also get bonuses and benefits and different things like that to kind of help incentivize everyone doing their part and trying to get every deal to close. So you need to have a very entrepreneurial mindset to be Mm -hmm. successful in this field. Uh, what are some ways that you have like gone outside the box to get your numbers up and to be successful? Yeah, so in this field, um, mastery is the name of the game. Um, knowing that you are, I'm going to be more so centering my business and building relationships with realtors, you have to have all your facts straight and be on the spot at any point in time. Understanding loan guidelines, understanding property requirements, understanding uh, situational lending practices as far as putting them into specific programs based off specific needs and just having all of your ducks in a row, you know, is obviously going to be the number one component. But as far as outside the box thinking and kind of growing my business from that perspective, I found value initially in aligning uh, my business with other realtors by offering first time homebuyer seminars. Okay. And basically what I would do is either I would go to a church or go to a community center and we would put on a sponsored class. We'd pretty much have lunch or breakfast catered. Um, and we would put on like an educational piece as far as here's the nuts and bolts of what it's going to take for you to buy a house. Here's some pitfalls that you should avoid. And basically put together like a two-hour course on you know everything you need to know about home ownership. A lot of agents saw value in that. So I did a lot of those when I first started out. Other kind of creative things that I did is I got involved with the Greater Tampa area of realtors, which is the board that a lot of people sit on to not only get their continual education pieces, but to kind of get updated information on different classes and things like that, that are going to affect them in their career. Um, And then the last thing would just be like BNI groups, networking groups, community type groups, um, serving as the lender for boards like that, that, that has also helped. Do you use Facebook groups at all? Uh, I do. Uh, I do have a, a social media platform. Uh, my marketing team kind of handles my social media for me, but uh, we put together kind of market update videos, uh, client testimonials, flyers on everything pertaining to real estate. Um, and we, yeah, we consistently pump that as well. So how many hours a week do you personally work? Do you work more than 40 hours? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, typical 10 to 11 hour day, uh, Monday through Friday. But even on the weekends, you have to understand in real estate that um, a lot of people also work. So they're not able to get off of work to go look at houses, to write contracts and different things like that. So there is a degree of phone calls coming in even on the weekends where you're putting together home numbers on what this home is going to cost people as far as their monthly payment, how much cash are they going to need to close you know, explaining the differences between different product offerings. So having those conversations a couple times over the weekend is yeah, pretty standard as well. So what do you think has really set you apart from your peers and has led to your success? 
Um, I would say as far as separating myself from other people in the industry or other peers of mine at my company, it's just honestly just been drive. You know, I'm a very ambitious driven person. I kind of hold myself to high standards. So when I was first getting involved, when I had literally no business, I took more so of a role as a loan officer assistant to my mentor. Um, and he pretty much taught me everything that I needed to know. I mean, I pretty much sat three feet across from this guy in one office, shared an office with him for two years. And, you know, he's uh, got a higher education in, in mathematics. Um, so he looks at the business from a much more analytical and technical side. So the first thing was first was just master the understanding of everything that goes into lending. And then from that end, it's just an organizing, structuring, and maintaining your business um, how you see fit. You mentioned your mentor. Was it something that kind of happened your first day you walked in the office? Did he take you under his wing kind of thing? <laughs> uh, no, not, not quite. Um, so my mentor, Sean Miller, he's been in kind of the field for 15 plus years. Year after year, our team's pretty much in the top 1% of loan originators nationwide um, across the board. Um, we typically close anywhere between like 400 and 500 loans a year, which is big business in this field. Sean from day one kind of knew he wanted to grow a team in the mortgage field, a big high level team. He's our number one loan originator at our company. My aunt has an incredibly close relationship with him. And kind of once she knew that I was going to be going into this field, she knew that there was going to be no better educator for me than him. Um, just from his total understanding of different things. So from day one, I, I knew I was getting placed on this team. He was going to be my mentor and Sean was okay with that. Sean wanted to help in any way possible. So it was honestly the biggest blessing that I could have gotten with where my career is at now. Are there any particular people that you really look up to in the mortgage space or in the real estate space? I would say other mentors, as far as like a, a good finance understanding of what's happening with interest rates and the market tendencies and the ebbs and flows of like volatility from that sector. Uh, one of our kind of guest speakers at a lot of our company events is Barry Habib. He speaks on CNBC all the time with kind of market updates. I think he's got, you know, uh, a lot of economic background. I really look up to him just because he seems to be able to predict things even well before they happen, just because he knows the relationships and impacts on what's happening around the world and how it's going to pertain back to real estate. Other than that, though, I mean, my aunt's probably just been my biggest influence. Um, you know, she's seen every aspect of this business from its booming times to its just absolute, you know, market lows and has always found a way to still excel. Um, that really sets her apart. And she just comes from just such a great background of just information overload that anytime I have a question, I know I can immediately go to her and, and get the answer that I want. So how long would you say it took you to feel like stable in your career? I would say only because I kind of took the approach to learning this job a little bit different than others. Like I wanted to master every aspect kind of one piece at a time building up once I continue to have a further and further knowledge of this field, a lot of people are just thrown into the fires then, so they learn much quicker, but obviously they fall on their face a lot more. I would say it probably took me, though, a good solid two years of having a complete understanding of the terminology, what's to be expected, what the process and the procedure looks like, knowing the biggest 
um, destruction factors for what can kill a deal and what can cause somebody to not get a loan. Um, and then just understanding different program guidelines that we have to operate within. So what would a typical day look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously skipping all the morning routine stuff to get to work, but upon getting to work, I would say, um, the first thing that I do is kind of take a look at my notepad. So there is constantly going to be tasks that you're not going to get to on a day-to-day basis. And one of the hardest things for people in this field is not feeling the need to just continue to get that done, to stay in the office till eight or nine o'clock at night. You have to carry over tasks to the next day. Absolutely have to, or you'll just otherwise go insane. So first thing would be looking at my notepad, seeing what is outstanding that I did not get to yesterday, kind of prioritizing that list, and then immediately jumping on my emails and checking to see if there is anything that's on fire. With kind of how the business works, you're constantly originating new business, but also maintaining current business and pushing for business that's on its tail end to get it to closing, that at any point during that time frame, things can, things can collapse, issues can come up, conditions can get you know, um, sent to the client that can create problems. You really have to have a good understanding of prioritizing your list and knowing what you need to get to first before you kind of get wrapped up in the just minutia of the day. What would you say the perks are of your job? Uh, number one would be money. Um, number two, I would say to some extent being able to operate pretty much anywhere. Um, this is very much like a job that is, there's a need and a necessity for anywhere you go in the world. Uh, you know, any state, any country, there's always going to be somebody that's going to need financing in order to be able to buy a property, a home, a townhouse, a condo, whatever, um, just because the availability of people that truly don't have, you know, savings and money kind of put aside to be able to buy a home cash like people used to do back in the day, it's that time's come and gone. Just the amount of people and the interaction with people is certainly good. My biggest purpose and why I do what I do is just specifically centered towards the people that have made this like a long-term finance and investment in their future type of a goal. Seeing that come to fruition is probably the biggest reward for me, especially people when they have challenges that are kind of put in front of them, you know, whether it be fixing their credit or, you know, they had a bad finance pass where they lost a job and they had to file bankruptcy or foreclosure where there's a lot of things that are stacking up against them. Helping them kind of pursue this goal and this achievement is probably the biggest reason why I do what I do. Would you say that um, geographic location can heavily affect your success in this business? Absolutely. Everything that we do is going to operate based off kind of the geographic territory that we're in. Obviously, that's going to have influence over how your lending practices are going to be, what regulations you're going to need to fall into, but more so centered around like population densities, you know, larger metros, different areas. You know, are you operating more in a rural area or are you in Tampa? You know, are we operating in like the eighth fastest growing city? You know, or are we operating in, you know, some mountainside over in Colorado? That is all going to have a huge, tremendous impact over, number one, what type of loans you're going to be writing. Um, You know, if you're in Kentucky in a more rural area, you're probably going to be looking into things like a USDA loan, um, which is like, you know, 100% financing, more agriculturally based. You know, there's benefits for that. Whereas if you're in like Tampa Metro, you know, where the name of the game is numbers, 
you're going to have a lot more products that you're going to be able to offer. Um, and, but you're also going to run into a lot more issues. You're going to run into people coming from the standpoint of they're just trying to flip homes. You know, that may cause appraisal related issues. I would say if you're, if you're looking for making the most amount of money though, you should obviously be trying to align yourself and operating in and around the large metro to just have the volume and have the traffic that you're going to need to kind of get your business to where you want it to go. Do you deal with a lot of flippers? Uh, yeah. So there's different lending practices that need to be met in regards to different loan programs. Um, some of the biggest flipping rules would be like, you know, on an FHA loan, you have to wait until the 91st day from when the home last sold before it can go under contract again. Um, on conventional and FHA loans, if there's a certain amount of equity that's reestablished in a home from where it last sold, like I had one the other day where, um, you know, it last sold like three months ago for 130,000 and it went under contract at 240,000 in three months. So they did a lot of renovations and a lot of home repairs where that's a lot of equity that's built in a very short period of time that it can cause things like, um, the different providers to require a second appraisal for a second opinion of value. So, and thing once that starts happening, not every two appraisers get to see the same property eye to eye. There can be discrepancies of value and different things like that. Um, but yes, I do handle a decent amount of flippers. It's becoming more and more prevalent, especially as there's somewhat of an economic shift right now currently in the market. Um, so it's only going to grow. What would you say are the hardest parts of your job? Ooh, my hardest part of the job, I would say, is probably detachment and separation of my emotions from my clients. Um, I take every file very personally. Um, so when things come up or different issues arise, um, if I don't get an answer that I want to hear, it doesn't bode well for me. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things for me. I would say aside from that, I do struggle with time to time kind of organizing, maintaining my pipeline. I'm not the greatest at as far as having different systems in place within like my, my email server and whatnot to allocate and prioritize. I would still say struggling with organization is probably the hardest one for me. Other than that though, um, that's, those are probably the two biggest ones for me. That's the hardest part of business for me. A lot of people, it's, uh, it's having the tough conversations, you know, explaining the numbers, explaining why you did what you did to kind of cater the loans to these people when they kind of see things differently. A lot of people in this field don't necessarily have, I guess, the courage enough to have the tough conversations when they need to be had. How do you make sure you get people the best deal, the best mortgage for them? Number one is going to be obviously staying up on what's happening in the market. Um, when it comes to like interest rates and whatnot, the biggest thing that we need to do is align the timing of the interest rate lock to the optimal moment. You know, obviously if we know right now we're at a point where rates are dropping, all more of the reason why you need to stay up on what's happening in the world, what's happening in the news and what's happening in the market. Um, because if you need to basically be following the trends um, in the direction that the rates are going. Right now, obviously rates are going down. So you really kind of want to continue to float that interest rate as the market continually improves to basically be on ahead of the game to offer the best possible interest rate to the client. Aside from that, knowing the programs and the different offerings for different styles of loans backwards and forwards and what the minimum requirements are for each and knowing what application for different loans are going to be best suited for clients 
is probably the next best thing that you need to do because every loan program is different. Every loan program has its own requirements. Um, and they come with different interest rates, different mortgage insurance payments, um, different things that are going to impact a person's and financial results that you have to have a lot of different product offerings, but you need to absolutely kind of center and align the best possible one for the client. And then you need to do a good job explaining why that is the case. I'm curious, do MLOs in the same company or in the same office, do they see each other as competition or is it better for everybody to work as a team? In Tampa, there's just so much business to be had. We don't even really see other MLOs as competition. I mean, um, I think in Tampa alone, there's something like 40,000 registered realtors, but there might only be a couple hundred loan originators. There's more than enough business to go around, and there's more than enough transactions that happen and transpire every year in Tampa that if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in your business, you'll be successful in your business. You won't feel like you're starving or you know, not generating enough business. If, as long as you're doing the right things, you'll be fine. Are there advancement opportunities for MLOs? Absolutely. Um, you know, for people in our company, you know, a lot of our corporate managers, um, department directors, different things like that, at one point were loan originators. Um, it just takes a certain degree of mastery um, and application knowledge of what all goes into real estate and lending to excel in different fields. Um, so, like I said, even people that are starting as just admins at our company, you know, the more they stay and the longer they stay, if they ever want an opportunity to pursue processing, you know, you'll, you'll see them take on like a junior processor role and then they become a processor. One girl we had used to be our admin back in the day and she's one of our top processors right now. She used to just answer the phones and kind of organize stuff for my aunt and different things like that. She took on a junior processing role, excelled in that. And like within a month, she was already a processor. So yeah. And everything's going to kind of be centered towards your personality type and what you're going to be strongest at. You know, if you're very analytical and salesy and different things like that, obviously you'll want to pursue something like the loan originator role. If you're more stable and calm, cool, collected and very organized, but not a very much a people's person, you know, something like a processor or an underwriter or compliance specialist, you know, back of house stuff would be absolutely centered to them. So where do you see yourself going in the future? What's your dream now? Oh man, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Um, I know myself personally, I want to continue further investing in real estate. Um, as far as career opportunities and different things like that, I mean, I have zero complaints with where I'm at right now in my life at my age. I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to start actively pursuing investing in uh, real estate investment opportunities like uh, rental properties and different things like that to kind of help boost some additional income and different things um, from a passive standpoint. But I don't know. I don't know. Right now, I'm, I'm happily enjoying where I'm at, um, but we, we shall see. What is the interviewing process like for MLO jobs? Yeah. Um, as far as like interviewing goes, mine was obviously a little different because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my aunt was the one interviewing me. I would say the MLO is more so the ones, there is more mortgage companies and lenders that are out there trying to actively recruit loan originators. It's more so the interviewing that comes from the MLO to the company and not vice versa. 
Um, different things that an MLO can certainly be aware of and ask is, is, you know, is there any sign-on bonus that you'll help pay me? Because obviously a lot of companies have them sign um, non-competes. So if you were working with certain realtors inside of a certain brokerage or office, and let's say you flip companies, you're supposedly not allowed to actively pursue those realtor relationships that you once had unless they contact you. So non-competes are a big thing that a lot of MLOs take to heart. They will ask for sign-on bonuses with different lenders to help jump them up, get them started, especially if they're relocating from another state. Um, the biggest question that's obviously asked is what their basis point compensation is going to be based on how they get paid. You know, are they getting paid 150 basis points, 200 basis points? Um, you know, and that's going to equate to a certain percentage of their loan amount that they will keep as their income. Um, so that is basically your contract salary. Okay. Other things like that, um, if they're going to have an opportunity to work in-house versus outside. Um, you know, I've been an in-house lender my entire career now. I have no interest in working outside. Um, I really find value in the educational, in the face-to-face, belly-to-belly aspect of this business. Being able to teach in a training room, put on classes, educate realtors, and kind of just be there at on call for them when they have questions. That's a big, big point for me. So a lot of MLOs certainly will ask, is this an in-house opportunity or am I working outside? Meaning, am I working from home? Am I on my own? Am I traveling all the time? You know, those I would say the, the big three. Now, can you only help people in the state of Florida or can you do nationwide? Yeah, so it's state dependent. Like I said earlier, you know, when getting your NMLS, you have to take a federal portion to pass and to be able to operate. And then some states require state licensure as well. So in Florida, obviously I have my license for Florida and I also passed my federal test exam. So there is technically like 34 states that I can operate within. But most of the bigger states around me where I would have people that I know trying to move to, you would also have to have the state test passed in that state as well to operate. So uh, Sean on our team, my mentor, like I said, he can operate in Georgia and Florida. I can only operate in Florida from a state licensure standpoint, but different states are out in the Midwest and up north and whatnot. I still technically can write loans on. Would you say that the mortgage industry is a hot industry right now? All right. So the number one reason that moved me to continue to pursue this is from the attraction standpoint of the average age of an MLO. I saw that there was a huge gap in this field. Um, when I was in real estate financing courses and finance at USF, that after talking with you know one of my professors, the average age at the point in time for like an MLO was like 46 years of age. And at that point in time, we were just coming off of this recession and economic collapse that um, not a lot of people were going into lending. Uh, there was a large amount of predatory lending the government had reshaped its policies and guidelines for what needs to be done in order to pass your test and what the minimum standard operating practices were. It was a dying field. Um, so seeing that huge opportunity that not a lot of people at my age were going into this field was kind of what was going to separate me. And I was going to have that much of a ahead of the game stance than they were. Mm. 
Let's go into the realities versus expectations segment. Okay. I don't know if you have any of those like kind of <laughs> preconceived in your mind, but um, basically it can be expectations that you had in mind about the career and it's different or things that society kind of puts on you and it's just not the truth. Yeah, um, expectations versus reality. Um, I had an expectation that it was going to be pretty easy. Um, and while the operating end is, is pretty, pretty easy, the conversations at points and times can be pretty hard because, you know, I'm not a numb person. <laughs> um, you know, I know I'm having an impact on different people's lives, both from their economic, you know, their finance standpoint to, uh, their future standpoint, that expectation is you will have a lot of tough conversations at different points in your time. Sometimes they are just fine and everything will still end the way it's supposed to end. Sometimes though, you know, you get very grumpy, angry people and that's the nature of business. Other expectations versus reality. I can't help but say you have to be prepared for multitasking and multi-managing different things at once. Between calls coming in, emails that are dropping, and files that are requiring immediate attention, you have to kind of be on your game at every point in time, hopping into different things in and out just to, to kind of push stuff through. It's not like what the big short depicts mortgage lenders out, just wearing suits, sipping martinis, and closing loans. Uh, not one bit. Yeah, you're constantly on your heels, so... Um, what are some ways that people can go about figuring out if becoming an MLO is right for them? Um, so I would say that there are internship opportunities. Um, that's probably going to be one of the best ways to get started. Having a sit down conversation with different uh, mortgage companies and seeing what elementary positions might be available and if they have part time employment, that's another great way. I would say within our team itself, uh, having several people start as admins, transition to transaction coordinators, and then from there, kind of like team managers, you know, they've pretty much seen every step of the way. And then they've kind of made a decision whether they wanted to stick with it and kind of pursue it at a higher level um, and take it to the next step. And then every time that that's happened, we've just brought on another person to kind of assume that bottom role. So we're pretty much promoting from the bottom up um, in our business. So that's a great way to start as well. What are some ways that a person who say doesn't have any connections to anybody working in a current office, what could those people do to set themselves apart to get that first initial opportunity? So there is an advancement course, um, kind of like, like a standardized testing prep course that you took when you're in high school and whatnot. Um, for becoming an MLO. Uh, it's pretty much like a two-day weekend course. They have an instructor come in and teach it. The book that we normally have to study for passing our NMLS test is literally like studying the bar. It was one of the hardest tests that I've ever taken in my life. And for the most part, schooling came very easy for me. Um, so that was certainly very humbling um, because they're not trying to make this an easy field to get into. They want to make sure that people that are going into this have a thorough understanding of everything that it encompasses. I would say taking one of those advancement courses though was one of the best things that I did because not only did you get kind of like a study guide sheet to passing your NMLS, you saw thousands of questions for different things that you're going to be doing in your business 
that it kind of gets your brain turning and thinking as far as if this is going to be the right fit for you or not. And it was pretty cheap. I mean, it was $150, $200 for a two-day course. What are some general facts that the audience should know about mortgages? Because the people who are watching or listening, they're not always interested in maybe pursuing this as a career. They're just interested in hearing professionals talk about their respective yeah, careers. Absolutely. So I would say one of the biggest debunks on uh, things that are just blown out of proportion is just, just craze of interest rates. There are several points in time when getting a loan that we will actually have your monthly payment lower with a higher interest rate than a lower interest rate. Not everything is in mortgages should be centered around interest rates. It should be centered around what your monthly payments are gonna be because when you amortize everything out for 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, this is gonna be the result of what the total costs of getting this loan are for you, not what the paper says as far as your interest rate's concerned. So, um, different lenders have different opportunities for different things like uh, mortgage insurance. You know, some lenders, they just 20% down, you have no mortgage insurance, anything less, you're paying mortgage insurance. It's not the true. Um, understanding different offerings for mortgage insurance is going to have a huge impact on setting up your client for success. Down payment assistance programs are constantly changing, constantly available, both from a city, state, and uh, county level. Um, so if anybody's a first-time home buyer, make sure you're asking your lender, are you an approved, you know, state of Florida first-time home buyer lender? Uh, do you have any down payment assistance options? Because if you don't ask those things, they don't know to offer those things to you. There's a lot of opportunity for a lot of cash left on the table from that end. I would just say anybody that is interested in getting a loan, getting a mortgage, we're not turned off by answering your questions. There is no such thing as a stupid question. If you have any questions, you should be focused on building a close relationship with the lender that you're going to be working with. Go into this understanding everything that you're doing. And if there's one area that you still don't understand, continue to ask questions on that. So you have a thorough understanding of what you're getting yourself into. What advice would you have for the people who are interested in this career? What's your um, general tips, advice, and thoughts? Um, I would say put yourself out there to as many people as possible because you don't know what your relationship with one person, what doors that is going to open through somebody else that you're going to have a continual relationship in. Networking is the name of the game um, in real estate. It really is. It's sometimes not what you know, it's who you know. You just have to align your business with the right people in their business as well to kind of see eye to eye on different things to, so that you both can benefit off each other. You know, that was the hardest part was sometimes saying no with people that you didn't necessarily want your business aligned with. But once you found those right people and you have that kind of click, it's, it's cake from there. Any other last thoughts you have for today? No, just uh, thank you for the opportunity to come on and speak with you and kind of help educate everybody about this field. Hopefully my answers are uh, revealing and truthful enough that um, you guys will have a good grasp as to what real estate has to offer from the finance end. Oh, thank you, Mike, so much for coming on. I'm sure so many people are going to think this interview is so helpful. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. See you next time. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to this interview with Michael Bishop of Van Dyke Mortgage. If you guys enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it. 
and leave us a review here on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you may be listening to this podcast on. See you around in another podcast episode.